Well, I would invite you uh, to turn with me into Psalm 117. We're going to continue our study of these uh, little section of Psalms. And we've got uh, this one, and then next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be looking at 115. And then we'll be jumping into the New Testament for a new series, uh, and I'll uh, not tell you what that is. It's a secret. You have to be on the lookout for it. I'm 90% sure I know what it is. I still have two weeks, though. Well, this is a very brief psalm, Psalm 170. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, if you're able. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Well, Thursday night, uh, some of us went over to a local restaurant for trivia night, and uh, one team arose victorious, and that team is is uh, in possession of a gift certificate for the next round, and I'll spend it on anybody that wants to join me, because <laughs> my team won. Uh, Here's a little trivia for you. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. And it only has two verses, obviously, you read there. And it's only 17 words in the Hebrew. Now, though it is very concise in size, it is universal in its scope. Its message is a worldwide Message incorporating people from every tongue, tribe, and nation throughout the world. One commentator, Derek Kidner, said, This tiny psalm is great in faith, and its reach is enormous. Well, this little psalm is good news for everyone, without exception. It's good news for you today, and I want to encourage your heart with it this morning. As we've been studying these uh, particular psalms, they're the Egyptian Hallel psalms. Now, the word Hallel means praise, so these are psalms of praise. Hallelujah is the phrase praise the Lord in Hebrew, hallelujah. So Hallel means praise. This group of psalms are psalms of praise, and they're associated with a celebration of Passover. So these particular psalms are sung even today, 113 through 118 are sung in uh, Passover celebrations in families and in corporate uh, celebrations as well. It's a celebration of God's deliverance of the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Now, it is interesting to me, and hopefully it is to you as well, that this particular psalm is part of the Egyptian Hallel Psalms. Um, because it actually calls on all nations and all peoples to praise the Lord, to extol or glorify the Lord. The nations and the peoples of the world are Gentiles. They're not Jews. So the question is, 
these Gentiles wouldn't be celebrating Passover. So why would the Jews sing this during Passover? Why would they sing this psalm that's calling all the nations to praise and extol the Lord as they celebrate their own birth, if you will, of a nation as they are pulled out of Egypt, rescued from slavery there, brought to the promised land and given a land and multiplying there and becoming a great nation. So that's the question, first question I want to explore. Why would the Jews sing this during Passover? What's the significance of it for them as they would worship the Lord in this way? Well, the first verse, as I said, calls on all the nations and peoples to praise and extol the Lord. Now, the word for nations is often translated as Gentiles, those people who aren't Jewish. So it's not just Jews, but everyone should praise and extol the Lord. And that particular word translated extol is it's not a commonly used word in the Old Testament, but the meaning is not strange. It means to, quote from a dictionary, make exuberant statements as to the excellence of someone. To make exuberant statements as to someone's excellent excellence. So they're calling on all the nations to rehearse and, and tell everybody how great God is with some detail in their descriptions. You can translate this word as glorify, praise, or commend. If you commend someone to someone else, you're telling them of their virtues and what a great person they are. The call is to get into the details about why God is so great. Now, why would Israel be singing about the nations of the world at Passover? While the Jews are celebrating their deliverance as a nation from slavery in Egypt, they are calling on all the nations to praise the Lord. Well, the answer is quite simple. It all goes back to the very beginning of their nation, to one man, Abram. When Abram was called, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, uh, God said, made some promises to Abram. Now you'll remember just going back, uh, perhaps you will remember Genesis 11 is, uh, well, 1 through 11 is all about creation and sin entered the world and it just rehearses all the brokenness of the world in the first numerous chapters there. Uh, you have the flood, you have the destruction of the world and back with Noah, but then things continue to be bad because sin is in the world. Chapter 11 is the Tower of Babel. God separates them by their languages and people are no longer unified. So it's a broken world that we see in Genesis 11. And then you get to Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, the promise to Abram, later on Abraham, was that God would make him a great nation, the nation of Israel. A blessed nation. They were blessed to know God and have this covenant relationship with God. And he did that for a reason. That you, Israel will be a blessing. That in you, verse 3, chapter 12, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So 
God's calling Abram and forming a nation out of him was not just for the sake of that one nation, it was for the sake of the whole world. So singing Psalm 117 would have reminded the Jews that they were to be a blessing to the nations. They weren't formed just for themselves. They were formed for the whole world. They were a conduit of blessing which the, through which the, love, the God's love could spread to the nations and peoples of the world. When Solomon built the temple, you remember it, he built the temple and they had a dedication service and Solomon stood and he prayed these words. This is part of his prayer from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 41. He prays, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. When he comes, the foreigner, and prays towards this house, here in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, so as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. So we see there that God is, through Solomon, inviting the nations to join in his worship. We see hints of it throughout the Old Testament. We just studied uh, Joshua. We saw Rahab, the Canaanite, be brought into the people of Israel, and she becomes a great, great, etc., a grandmother to Jesus, to David, and, through, and, and on to Jesus. Um, we see the Gibeonites who made a pact, a uh, covenant with Israel that they wouldn't be destroyed, and we find them still in Israel even after uh, the exile is over and they return to Jerusalem. There are Gibeonites working on the wall. They've got Hebrew names. They've been included in. We see uh, Ruth, the Moabitess, uh, great-great-grandmother of King David, and, of course, Jesus by extension. Naaman, the Syrian, uh, with the leprosy, uh, became a God worshiper. Uriah the Hittite was certainly one who loved the Lord and followed him. And numerous other Gentiles who were brought in to the people of God. In fact, in Isaiah, it tells us, there's a vision in Isaiah 2 of the Messianic age when all the nations shall flow to inquire of the Lord. So singing this at Passover would have been that wonderful reminder that, that they needed to share this God that they have come to know so that the nations could be blessed as well. So how does this happen? How did, how did I'm assuming most everybody here is a Gentile, uh, maybe even 100% of you. If not, let me know after. I'll, I'll uh, celebrate with you. Well, they, how do we get from the people of God in Israel to all of us enjoying God's grace his loving kindness, his faithfulness to us. Well, Paul explains it in, Genesis, in Galatians chapter 3. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. That's Genesis 12, 3 that we read. Paul says that was the Lord preaching the gospel to Abraham. 
that all the nations would be blessed in him. So then, verse 9, chapter 3 of Galatians, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then Paul goes on to talk about the curse of the law. And he says this in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So it is in Christ that we are saved, that we are included in the people of God. He goes on, verse 16. The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, plural, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Christ is that offspring of Abraham. So what it means is, if you are, by faith, united to Christ, the offspring, then you are included into the people of God through what Christ has done in his life, death, and resurrection. Verse 26 of Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So that's how it happens. In Christ, we're included in the people of God. By union with Christ, by faith, we've been grafted in, as Paul says in Romans 11. And all the blessings promised to Abraham are ours as well. In Romans 15, Paul quotes Psalm 117 as he makes this case. He says... Uh, He's talking about unity. I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. That's us. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Psalm 117, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. And of course, in the book of Revelation, you get a picture of heaven and the scenes there in places like Revelation 5, where uh, all the people around the throne are saying, Worthy are you to Jesus to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And again in Romans 7, or Revelation 7, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
So yes, the Jews, as they sang this, were reminded that this wonderful blessing of salvation comes through them to the world. We as Gentiles are called to rejoice, to praise the Lord, to extol him. Are we doing that? Are we obeying this psalm? Are we praising, extolling the Lord for his steadfast love and his faithfulness? Because that is what we, if we know Jesus, that's what we've experienced. Steadfast love. That's one word in the Hebrew. Hesed is the, the word. And it means loyal love, unfailing kindness, devotion, a love or affection that is steadfast based on a relationship. It's a, it's a covenant love. God has bound himself to his people, and we are bound to him, and he is steadfast in it. It says, uh, great here, great is the steadfast love of the Lord. And that word, great, has a sense of prevailing. So his love, his, his covenant love, his, his, his binding love to us will prevail. It will conquer all. And we say that love conquers all. That's what this is saying. Christ's love for his people conquered sin because he willingly laid down his life to die for us. That's unfailing, steadfast love that is prevailing. It prevailed over sin and it prevails over death. So we can know the Lord and be with him forever. So yes, praise the Lord. His steadfast love is great. It never fails. Sometimes we wonder, where is God? Does he love me? We doubt his love. That's a big mistake because his love is prevailing. It doesn't fail. It doesn't wane. And his faithfulness endures forever. His reliability his trustworthiness, his dependability, his loyalty, it endures forever. I got up this morning and I looked at the weather and it said, and I, I, I know it said 1% chance of rain. <laughs> Someone is not dependable. And why, would a, why do the weathermen say it's a 50% chance of rain? I mean, you've just given up at that point. I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. 50%. I don't think that's the way it works. But, but God is always faithful. He's always dependable. We might think, well, the Lord has abandoned me or the Lord is not fulfilling his promises to me. Well, that can never happen. Never. His faithfulness endures forever. Even when we are faithless, Paul says to Timothy, he remains faithful. Even when we are faithful, faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. He is always true to his word. It endures forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, the question today I want to ask you, are you united to Christ by faith? Uh, do you have a relationship with him? Are you bound to him? Uh, do you have this covenant with the Lord? I like to use that word. I've been harping on that for a long time now, that our relationship with the Lord is not just us walking an aisle and getting a certificate and 
checking a box and going to church and checking that box and thinking, well, I'm good. No, we're in a covenant relationship. That would be like a, a husband and wife going and getting married and getting the marriage certificate, but never having anything to do with one another after that. We're good, but there's no relationship there. Our covenant relationship with the Lord is like marriage. The Bible uses that imagery to describe our relationship with the Lord. The book of Hosea, Ephesians 5, for example. So do you have that kind of covenant relationship with Christ? And the table this morning is about renewing that covenant relationship with the Lord. Do you recognize that God has extended steadfast love to you? Have you experienced that steadfast love? in your life. Can you sing, Jesus, I come. Lord, I know I've failed you, but I'm coming back to you. I've been an adulteress, adulterer, and I'm coming back because I know that you are faithful and you will love me and receive me. Maybe that's you today. Are you humble about it? Paul warns the Gentiles in chapter, Romans chapter 11. He says, you know, some branches have been broken off and you've been grafted into the people of God. Don't be arrogant towards those who have been broken off because God can graft them back in. You look around us and we see the broken world we live in. Are we humble recognizing that our salvation is all of God's grace? It's all of His love towards us. And He did all the work. It's nothing that we earned or deserved. It's not that we're good enough to earn God's favor. And we are like the Jews now. We sing Psalm 117 and we should think, I have been blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations. I have been blessed to go and tell the world about his steadfast love and his faithfulness that endures forever. Because it's for everyone. This psalm is not just for certain people. It's for every nation. It's for every people. It's for everyone. It's a message they all need to hear. So we must be humble and have that mindset that we can be a blessing. We're called to be a blessing to the nations by sharing about Jesus, being his ambassadors in this world in which we live. We ought to be excited about this wonderful relationship we have with our God, that we want to share it with the world and let them enjoy the promises and all the blessings they come to people who are in Christ. Let's pray together and, and ask the Lord to help us to have a true appreciation of all that he's done for us in Christ. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good news that you have given us today in Psalm 117. Thank you, Lord, for your steadfast love. Uh, that is great, that is prevailing. It prevails over our sin and brokenness. It prevails over our rebellious hearts. It prevails even over death, so we have nothing to fear. We have an eternal hope. We're so thankful for that, Lord. Shake us up out of our cold, dead hearts and warm them again to love you in return and to serve you in your kingdom and to represent you well wherever we go so that others might be blessed by knowing and experiencing that steadfast love and faithfulness. And Father, we pray now as we come to your table that you would indeed strengthen us, that we would be 
worthy, live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. And Lord, if anybody here doesn't know you, pray that they would call upon you. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I pray that no one would sit here and think, what Pastor Tim is saying doesn't apply to me. I'm well beyond the love of the Lord. I've done too much. But Lord, you're pray that they would just think this, that your love is prevailing. It conquers all. It conquers the deepest, darkest sin. It can wash us and cleanse us and renew us. And I pray that that would happen right now in the lives of those who don't know you and even in the lives of those who do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.